0: Welcome into episode 44 the Gump Runners podcast. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law here with you tonight. Um, Alabama cruising to a win this past weekend against Southern Miss at home, 63-14, to covering a 45-point spread. Pretty impressive. Auburn squeaking by the um, or Georgia State, uh, 34-24, had a late pick six to seal that one. TJ Finley coming in, providing the spark that Auburn needed. Driving 99 yards to the house for a touchdown um, to, to take the lead for the Auburn Tigers, but um, guys, let's let's start with Alabama. Let's start in Tuscaloosa. Um, you know, last week we I don't want to say uh, had a had a breakdown, but it certainly wasn't our wasn't the funnest podcast to record. Even though Alabama did win the game, um, there were a lot of holes in the Alabama defense that Florida exploited. And um, then also uh, the run game was brutal for Alabama. They didn't get a lot of protection up front from their offensive line. They struggled. And so there were some things that we wanted to see. We talked about them last week. And, um, and guys, I'm not so sure that that episode did not get to the office of Bill O'Brien. And I'm not so sure that he didn't sit down and listen to it, but like, Hey, these guys are right. I mean, you know, th- there's outside runs, there's perimeter runs, there's shot plays, there's, Throwing the ball to Jaleel Billingsley, uh, getting 18 off the field, uh, limiting three-man routes—you know—all that stuff happened that we wanted to see. Of course, there were still a couple of uh, of inside-the-box runs, which didn't have a whole lot of success. And you know, Slade did play a couple of plays, had a couple of catches, and there were a couple of three-man routes, but it was a lot less than we saw two weeks ago against Florida down in the swamp. So, uh, Lester, starting with you, man, just tell me, tell me, um. Has your, has your mindset changed going into the Ole Miss game after seeing the offense? Because that's what we were talking about last week is if we didn't fix the offense, then we weren't going to be able to score with Ole Miss. Because I'm pretty sure everybody knows by now. Everybody believes that, you know, this game is going to be a shootout Saturday in Bryant-Denny Stadium against Ole Miss. So you're going to have to score with them much like last year, uh, the game in Oxford where Alabama was able to outlast Ole Miss and outscore them 63-48. to 48. So, um, Lester, after what we saw this weekend against Southern Miss, does it kind of ease your mind going into this week's game against Ole Miss?
1: I, I'm gonna say no. Um, it doesn't ease my mind. It's good to see them switch up things and try new different things, like I said the outside runs and the certain plays and not playing slate as much. But in my opinion, I, I think this offense has. One dominant skill player and it's Jameson Williams. It's it's just one. I mean, who's the other? Who's the other dominant playmaker on that side of the ball that you see? And you know, finally, him and uh, Bryce connect on some deep passes or whatever. But this is not a team of years past where you can literally pick your poison. Who are you gonna double? You know, are you gonna double Rugs or Waddle or uh, Smitty, but. And this offense, Mechie, the longer the season goes on, we're going to learn a lot about Mechie. And what we're learning is that he's just not that guy we thought he was going to be coming to the season. Um, Thank God that Jameson Williams is here because I don't know what this offense would look like without him.
0: Yeah, and I see your point. That's a good point because, you know, we we didn't think Mechie was going to be – Heisman-type material like Devonta Smith, by any means. But we, we all thought that he would be a clear-cut number one. We didn't realize how good Jameson Williams would be. Uh, we knew he had speed. But, um, you know, being the number three guy at Ohio State, we knew he was pretty good because there's two really good ones, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson up there uh, in the shoe. But, uh, you know, we knew coming in that he would be an automatic starter. We just didn't know that he would be the leading receiver this fast and, and obvious go-to number one clear-cut guy. And um, but I think what you're seeing, what you're going to start seeing is maybe, you know, like you're talking about, who are you going to double? If they started doubling one, then I think you're going to see more and more double tight sets. Now that Jaleel Billingsley's finally got his shit right, it seems like, um, you know, Nick said there was a lot of double tight stuff. And I'm not saying double tight is when you got one tight end, then you got a king back behind them or you got one tight end on either side of the offensive line. I'm talking about two tight ends on the field. When I say double tight, that's what I mean. I'm not necessarily saying two double tight crammed in the box where you've got seven men on the line of scrimmage. I'm talking about Jaleel Billingsley on the field at the same time as Cameron Latu. Most of the time, Latu's hands going to be in the dirt. I think we can all see that. But there's going to be a lot of times where Billingsley is the third receiver. And uh, I think that's great. They get Slade Bolden off the field. Um, it forces you to go back to your base defense and get you out of the nickel look because – if you stay in a nickel look, a 4-2 scheme, you can just motion Billingsley down inside the box. And then if you're going to bring another guy in the box, it's going to be a little guy. It's going to be a corner or a safety. And uh, and so I think that forces you. Say you play a, a traditional 3-4 scheme, um, but, you know, like Alabama does, you play a lot of 4-2 nickel. Uh, with Henry T. and Christian Harris in the box, there's your linebackers. Uh, and you got a double tight set. You've got to get another – defensive linemen on the field instead of the two interior linemen say a Tim Smith and DJ Dale or whatever you've got to get a third one in there and you've got to go your base three four scheme because you've got to get some bigger bodies in the box because they can just motion that tight end down and pound you in the run game and uh and so I think that's a matchup nightmare and it was for Southern Miss even though their defense is not great at all by any means but um I think that's going to be something that you start seeing a lot of as we continue into SEC play Uh, because yeah, like I said, number one, it gets slayed off the field and, uh, it gets messy in some one-on-one situations. And if you want to double Williams, then you've got two weapons, man. Billingsley is just as good as any receiver we have. And Latu has become, you know, I, I I don't like the fact that we only throw to Latu when we're in the red zone. Uh, I'd like to see him get more balls, you know, in, in between the twenties. I like to see him catch more passes in between the twenties and not just wait till you get on the 10 yard line to kind of. Hit him with a little pop pass to surprise the defense. But um J law you know, same question with you, man. After the Southern Miss game, um, what did you like the most about the changes that were made in the in the offensive play con and the execution um heading into this weekend at Ole Miss?
2: Well, you asked Lester if if the win eased his mind, and I think it did ease mine because I just needed to see Alabama go be dominant. Although they blow Miami out, man, Miami had tons of pressure on Bryce. You roll into the next week against Mercer. They're living in the backfield. You don't look crisp. You don't look clean. You go out against Florida, you're dominant for 15 minutes, and you get outplayed for the final 45. But in this game, with Billingsley back in the rotation, um, with even with Brian Robinson out, Alabama still um, split the running back out wide They made – and like you just said, with two tight ends and you send the running back out wide, man, you have so many mismatches. They don't have as many guys in the box to free blitz the quarterback to put a lot of pressure on your offensive line. And then it puts skill guys – and Billings, make no mistake, guys. We all know Billingsley's a skill guy. Latu is a skill guy. He gets open. He's physical. You have have to respect the play action when it looks like he's run blocking. Um, And so he can kind of sneak by you. And he did that a few times against Southern Miss. I just needed to see Alabama be dominant. I texted you guys on Friday. I said the number one thing I want to see Saturday were two things. Bryce not get hit, and I need Bryce to throw for 80%. Because this is a game, and this system, even with the lack of weapons that we have at the wide receiver group, which thank God for Jamison Williams, because after last year, we all thought that John Metchie would be followed up by Javon Baker, Billingsley, and they'd add a tight end. that you could even play Slade Bolden or some of those younger receivers, and Alabama would be fine. But if it wasn't for Jamison Williams, this might be a one-dimensional type ball team. And, and Bryce Young would have nobody to throw uh, the football to. But So I just thought, man, that I needed to see Bryce throw for 80%. Well, what does he do? He throws over, was it 90, over 90% in this football game. Um, he had a chance to be 21 of 22 with about 338 and six touchdowns and no picks if it wasn't for Jamison Williams dropping one that hit him right the one on the jersey for a touchdown. Um, we'll forgive him because of the two uh, touchdown uh, – kickoff return touchdowns. But Bryce Young had an electric day. He made all the right reads. And those are tough stats to do against air. And I went back – and when we went back and watched the Florida game, and we were all freaking out. We saw Bryce make some wrong reads in the RPO game. He had a chance to hand the football off, and we were going to run some of those outside runs. But I thought it was great that Alabama ran um, behind the tackles. They They trusted – that um, they could run it behind Devin Neal. You put a tight end beside Chris Owens, and it worked out pretty well, especially for Roydell Williams. It makes you wonder is, is Chris Owens struggling a little bit because the, the, the guys immediately to his left, Ecu and Dowcourt, aren't really jailing right now from the center guard perspective. But yeah, guys, it does ease my mind. I need to see Alabama be dominant. I need to see the defense get off the field on third down. I know it's not a good offensive team. But you just wanted to see the guys be in the right place at the right time. And outside of a couple plays, which is going to happen almost against anybody, unless you're playing Penn State or Wisconsin's, just completely one-dimensional teams with unathletic quarterbacks, just um, going to happen to your defense. And Nick Saban said it last night on Monday Night Football. So proud of the team. They look good. Um, and I, I think that it was very important that they work out some of those kinks to get this offense uh, recalibrated and ready to go where they might have to score 45-plus this Saturday.
0: So you're saying Bryce Young had Bo Nix type numbers versus Zach 20 out of 22, man. Bo didn't throw a pick though. I'm telling you Bryce did throw the pick on his last throw, but yeah, you know, uh, uh, one thing that we haven't seen uh, this year is, you know, Roydell Williams averaging 10 yards carry Jace averaged eight uh, Trey Sanders averaged 2.4. I- I'm not really sure. I-, I don't understand how Saban does the running back rotation. I don't know if it's, you know, how they practiced that week or whatever, because I, if B-Rob really was banged up against Florida, I mean, he was so banged up that he had to miss a whole week of practice and the game. And, you know, you wonder why you don't see Trey Sanders versus that team. Um, uh, I know Roy Williams, I think he fumbled in the Miami game. I hadn't think we've seen him until Saturday. I, I don't think he played the next two. And then all of a sudden Saturday he comes out and he's your leading rusher. And, uh, and I think a credit to that was a lot of zone skin, zone stretch plays. It's very simple. Out of the shotgun, out of the pistol, whatever. Um, that and that's so much better for our running backs because even with Brian Robinson, people are gonna look at Brian Robinson to say he's a bruise or whatever. Guys, look, no running back in college or the NFL or whatever, no running back wants to run into a pile. This isn't 1950 where you get in the you know, you get in the power hour, the Maryland dial, like Lester likes to do on PlayStation, and uh, put two clock on, and just run into a pile for two and a half yards. Then hope you can bust one for a whopping four yards. And then everybody celebrates like you just won the natty. I mean, no running back wants to do that. You got to get these guys on the edge. Let them use their their vision and their cutback ability and their burst. And that's what makes a great running back. Even a big guy like Derrick Henry. What is he best at? He's best at, at the stretch play whenever he can see his vision, make that one cut and turn north-south. And once he gets his body up south, you are screwed if you get in his way. And um, and so, you know, Brian Robinson is great at that. Jace McClellan is great at it. Roy Dale, Trey Sanders, all of your running backs would prefer you do that. Stop making them run into the tackles off a, off a quick trap uh, straight up the middle. And then number two, like I said last week, your guards are not power players. They're finesse. You know, Cohen, you don't you don't have guards that are 330, 340 pounds that are just gonna maul people out of the way. Same with Alcourt. And so if they're faster, if they're quicker than they are powerful, then use your use that to your advantage. Use their quick, their quick first step, their quick twitch guys on the offensive line and and get them on reach blocks and zone blocks, work up to the second level, let them work together, let them mesh. And then it just it just Seems like it was too easy, and I was wondering what was going on, but I feel a lot better about the run game as long as Bill O'Brien continues to do that. And I, I don't care, you know, Saban's talking about this is how they were lined up, so they allowed that. I don't care. I'd still try it at least because, you know, like I said last week, you're not going to run the ball up the middle on Ole Miss, three yards in a cloud of dust, and expect to have an effective run game and then put Bryce in second and seven, third and six situations and expect to beat this team because this team isn't like Florida. They have a, a very a, a more capable offense that's more high power, they have more playmakers, and they have a better scheme. And they're I mean, I, I fully expect Alabama's defense to get torched. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I, I fully expect them to give up 200 to 250 rushing yards. I expect them to give up 450, 500 total, and I expect Ole Miss to score in the 40s, 100%. Uh, the defense did not change my mind of that on, on Saturday. I still fully expect Ole Miss to come out and torch Alabama on the, on the offensive side of the ball. But, you know, offensively, I do feel better after seeing this game plan by Bill O'Brien. If that same game plan is ran Saturday, I feel a lot better about it. Um, but uh, we will come back to Alabama, Ole Miss um, in, in a couple of minutes. But I want to hit on this, this Auburn situation. Over here, guys, Uh, not not a great weekend on the Plains. I mean, you know, a lot of people think that homecoming weekend is supposed to be a fun, happy time. You get to go up there. You get to, to look at the sorority tissue paper signs and all this stuff. And uh, I don't know. They have a parade, bonfire. I don't know what they do over there on the Plains. But um, Auburn comes in. They're down 24-12 at halftime. They're, you know, Zacoby McClain comes back from the targeting penalty that he received in the second half of the Penn State game. And... Uh, you know, they, they don't give up a point in the second half. j mentioned that earlier, and I get that. But, you know, you have to have a blocked punt by Kalen Newton, recover for a touchdown, and then Bo Nicks gets benched. Here comes T.J. Finley, 98-yard drive, has to convert a fourth and nine, scores on a fourth and nine. Then, of course, Auburn gets to pick six to seal the deal. But Lester, man, Tell me how intense this game was for you watching. I know we were all texting about it. Um, I was watching it from the city of Tuscaloosa this past weekend. Tell me, I mean, did you think that – was in the back of your mind that, you know, we all know Auburn's going to win this game? Or was it there that little piece of you that was like, you know what? This is a new coach, new staff. I don't know how they're going to handle this. Maybe some of their luck finally runs out. Of course it didn't. But how, how? what was your reactions while this game was going on in the third and fourth quarters?
1: Um, it was kind of uh, this is just what you expect to happen. Of course, you know Georgia State. You know, first half they're looking great, but we we've seen this before. You know, the little guy you know comes out excited, does a couple of things, a couple of new things, a couple of tricks. You know, the triple option is hard to defend, but of course, those halftime adjustments had to be made, and sure enough, they were made in the second quarter, in the second half, and. Uh, I forget who the, the white kid was, but he was running his ass off in the first half. Dang it, game. It was really fun watching him play when they were running that offense all over the open defense. But, um, yeah, it's just kind of – I was more excited to see how T.J. Finley would look. I mean, we kind of talked about, you know, Bo Nix and that situation and T.J. Finley coming in early in the summer, and the situation really hasn't manifested itself to – for it to be a true competition until now i mean look at the, the stones on the horse right now <laughs> much bigger than what i thought they were because never would i imagine it would have been for anybody yeah i don't care if tom brady was behind them that just <laughs> i you just and and they did and now they have a situation on their hands that's gonna have to play out over the next week or a couple weeks because it's gonna get real ugly for auburn uh the schedule is not pretty do you think that if uh, if they
0: if they stay with Bo Nick's, do you think that he comes back and wins the game?
1: No, not at all, not at all. Um, he wasn't doing anything to keep them in it. I mean, under fifty percent, yeah, yeah. Thank God for the defense getting their act together and not allowing them to score. But other than that, Bo had not done anything to show that he could put the team ahead, and lead them to a victory. He has not done that. Um, he didn't do it. It was, it was the defense mainly, yeah. but in special teams. Know, it is what it is in special teams. j Law. this is a third-year
0: starting quarterback. He started a lot of games for Auburn University. He's a legacy. His dad is known for throwing a, a game-winning touchdown pass to beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl. I mean, his first game ever. He plays like crap, but he wins the game, you know, though in the past to Seth Williams against Oregon. Uh, this dude, you know, he's been the face of Auburn for seems like forever. Uh, you know, beat Alabama, threw for 150 yards, but beat Alabama in the 2019 Iron Bowl. Uh, no, there's no telling how many games that bought him. But, you know, this guy comes into Auburn five-star, number one dual-threat quarterback. I mean, when you ask a recruiting expert three, three four years ago, hey, what dual-threat quarterback is better than Bo Nicks? they looked to you in the eye with a straight face, and they said, nobody, not one person. Now this dude, you get a new coaching staff. You get benched. And now, you know, they're saying I, I would start him against LSU. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But uh, just talk about how – is this something that you ever expected to see? Over there, Jay Long. I mean, did you ever expect this to happen?
2: No. Listen, if you would have told me that they would bench Bo Nix, um, I would have said you're crazy because there's nobody good behind. You. It's not a credit to Bo Nix being a quality quarterback. Bo Nix, man, his trajectory had already started out great, man. His first ever start, he's facing a top 10 team inside of a neutral field at Jerry's World. And I don't care how you get that win, he got the win. And uh, he's had one good game. He truly has had one good game since then, and it was LSU last year against T.J. Finley, where that Auburn defense, which was average at best last year, made T.J. Finley look silly. And Bo Nix outplayed T.J. Finley. So now T.J. Finley's at Auburn, and he has to come in and lead a 98-yard touchdown drive against Georgia State because Bo Nix cannot find a way to get in the end zone. First half, they kicked four field goals. Bo Nix, I mean, it's not – I was talking to some guys. I did a show earlier this week. It's not the fact that, you know, he hasn't progressed or it's hard to see that he's gotten any better. It's the fact that he might be getting worse. I think that's the big key. Um, you're talking receivers running a five and in, and he's throwing it three yards behind them, and the wide receivers coach gets fired. Dude, I'm watching the second half. Uh, at the Alabama game Saturday, and dude, his receivers are jumping backwards, sideways, full body extension, trying to catch passes from Bo Nix. And they come back and they fire the wide receivers coach, which has enraged, enraged some former Auburn Tigers, including Sammy Coates. And we all know once the alumni start chirping and um, this isn't the guy that the Auburn Boosters wanted to hire in Brian Harson. It already looks messy. They bench the pride and joy of Auburn football, the guy that was supposed to be the next Cam Newton. He he's not. Is he the second best quarterback on the team? There were some people calling for Demetrius Davis. I mean, that's how bad it's gotten on the Plains. And dude, it ain't getting any better. They might beat LSU because I do think Auburn's defense with Owen Pepo and Zachary McClain can keep them in it, keep them in a game. But it ain't going to be because of the quarterback. And if they put T.J. Finley out there against LSU. Playing against 22 guys that knows that he quit on them, I don't see TJ Finley winning that game. I think they got to put Bo Nix out there. And I think that there's a there's a much less risk of starting Bo and then having to pull him versus you just run TJ Finley out there and Bo Nix becomes a, a worse head case than he already is. I think you got to give him one more shot. And then if he can't do it, you got to try it. You got to exhaust all your other resources.
0: It could possibly be – because, I mean, this is my next question, is who do you start down there in Baton Rouge? Because it's a night game. The cadence are going to be drunk. They're going to be lit. They're going to be fired up. Uh, Who do you go with? And my answer would be Bo Nix, too. But you're almost in a lose-lose situation if you lose the game. So, I guess it would be a lose-lose-lose situation. Because if you start Bo and you sit with him the whole game and you lose, well, you should have gone with TJ. If you start TJ and he goes, the whole game you lose, well, you should have started Bo. You know, TJ was just there six months ago. They got hours, hundreds of hours of practice film on him. Uh, the DBs have watched him drop back to pass thousands of times. Uh, they know all his tendencies. They know his body language. They know where he's going with the football. It's a disadvantage. You know, there, there's that's, that's the excuse I would make, for real. That's my biggest fear. Um, but, you know, if you start Bo, and then he plays bad, and then you go with TJ, and you don't win the game. You should have gone with TJ the whole game. You know, there's just there's just no win situation uh, to where you know Harson's going to be in the wrong no matter what he does if he loses the game. That's why this is a huge game for his for his you know mark on Auburn football and in his young career there. And um, this is only five games in. Do you think he was expecting this kind of pressure five games into his college career? Or college college, or SEC career was he good? Do you you think he's gonna have to fire a coach? I don't know. And why? Why did he do that, Lester? I want to bring you into this too, man. Like, why do? Why do you fire the receivers coach? Because Harson can sit up there bullshit all he wants about how, you know, it was performance based. Blah blah blah. Then. Your secondary coach needs to be fired. Your defensive line coach needs to be fired. Your offensive line coach needs to be fired. Your quarterback's coach slash offensive coordinator needs to be fired. The only ones you need to keep are the dang tight ends coach, the running backs coach, and the linebackers coach. Am I right? I mean, Lester, well, like, what what reason do you think – and I know J-Law's got one. I'm going to ask him in a minute. What, what is your reasoning for the, for the firing of Cornelius Williams, the receiver's coach at Auburn?
1: Um, I don't know. I think I think Jalen made a good point. I mean, the guy's a wide receiver coach. He's not a gymnast coach because those receivers, like you said, were trying to flip every which way to catch a ball from Bo Nicks. And I mean, a wide receiver, I'm sorry the, the guys, the wide receivers you have aren't seven feet tall to catch a ball in the back of the end zone from Bo Nix. Poor, some sorority girl got a black eye for the next two weeks from that ball he threw up there. I mean, they don't. They're, they're not like Chamberlain playing wide receiver. They don't, they don't have a ten foot wingspan. Like you can't. A wide receiver coach has no control over that. Now, were there ten guys on the field on offense? Maybe were they're, you know, not lined up right or 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 whatever. Maybe. But you know what? That is. That's correctable. You know, and the thing is, has has that kind of thing been happening all season long? Have I mean. Th- we're a third of the year into the college football season. A third of the year. Have they been lining up all, have they been lined up wrong all yeah. season long? Have they been running routes all wrong all season long? Have you been playing with 10 guys on the field all season long? If the answer is no, then your problem is not the wide receiver, it's the quarterback. Because he can't Listen. they can't jump 10 feet in the air. I don't I, I think it's a dumb hire. I mean, you know, who cares? It, why, why, what it is why, why would Brian
2: Horson admit? that he went out with 10 guys on offense and wouldn't use a timeout or take a penalty. Exactly. Why would exactly. you choose to run plays where you only had 10 guys on offense if you have timeouts or you could take a penalty, get some personnel out there? I mean, to me, man, this all—well, this feels so – from an app quarterback standpoint to – I remember in 2017 when – The wide receivers went into the locker room at halftime against Georgia and Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy and Devontae Smith and Calvin Ridley. All these guys are pissed off because they are wide-ass open in a national title setting, and there's a quarterback that cannot get them the ball. And make no mistake about it, Mike Loxley was one of the people that was pissed off along with him, who was the wide receivers coach that year before becoming the OC the next year. And there was an all-out – you know, meeting at halftime of that game. And two was going to have to come in to be quarterback because the quarterback could not get the ball to the receivers. My my take on this is Bobo or somebody smarted off this wide receivers coach. They said something to him. And Coach Williams got a little real. He got a little uh, honest about what the real issue is on the Plains and how it's in that quarterback play. I'm sure he said something along the lines of "It doesn't matter if Megatron is on this team. It doesn't matter if Jerry Judy runs out there for us. Bo Nix is horrible, and that's what got this guy fired. It's not, this is not all performance based. Something like that happened in the locker room, and they let this guy go. And uh, to me, it's a bad look. It doesn't make any sense why you're firing. Absolutely. I mean, it, it just. Uh, I mean, not just that it's a bad look. It doesn't make sense. Like what? What good is this going to do?
0: No. Yeah, and then you know you. you Trying to say that you know Harson, or there's people out there saying that Harson had to fire. It felt like he had to fire somebody with it. Like, no, you don't. No, you don't. You get your ass in the film room and you get everybody in there and you talk about it and you fix it. You don't just fire people because. But why'd you hire it? I don't know. And th- I mean, this guy's been the, a receivers coach for six years. It's not like they they brought him from under the Bib Graves Bridge in Watumka. I mean, they like, they this guy was a a college. I mean, he's a group of five, but still, I mean, he was a receivers coach at a bigger group of five school, Sunbelt school for six years. I mean, this guy is, he's from Hoover, Alabama. That's where he played high school ball. He's, he's Southeast, you know, born and bred all, always lived down here in the South. Um, you know, he's young, he's energetic. Uh, he, he's he's African-American. I'm, I'm not so sure that can't help in the recruiting game. And so I mean, this guy. I, some people are saying that he was the, the cheapest guy on staff, and so he had to go because his buyout was only what six hundred thousand dollars or whatever. But I think it's complete bullshit as well. I think it's I think it's trash. And and like I said, if it is performance based, then like I said, all those other coaches that I named they need to go too. And uh, if if that's how we're gonna run this, um, but what J Law's saying makes perfect sense. He's defending his guys. He, you know, Bobo's going to, or whoever it is going to come and say to him, Hey, your guys need to pick it up. Y'all are doing this, whatever. And he's like, hold up, hold up. My guys might not be perfect, but they, like, like Lester said, they're not gymnasts. They can't do a backflip and catch the ball. They can't, you know, get, use osmosis and go 20 yards downfield to catch the ball that's overthrown by 20 yards. And so it's, I, it makes a lot of sense what J Law is saying if you really listen to it. Um, because other than that, firing him because of the way his receivers are playing doesn't make any sense because I don't think they're the worst position group on that field. Uh, I think number one would be the quarterback, Bo Nix. Um, and then, you know, you go to, I mean, offensive line's gotten worse. I don't think they, they didn't play as well as they did against Penn State, especially in the run game.
2: And, uh, my question is, did they think they had good receivers? Their top three options left. I mean, like this guy right here, this Coach Williams guy, he, he might have the biggest uphill battle from a top-tier SEC school position coach. I mean, dude, he's he, he working with guys I've never heard of.
0: Yeah, I mean, Bear Bryant said you can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit. And if that's a true statement, you've got to have players. Look at Nick Saban, loses to Louisiana Monroe in 2007. What does he do? He goes out and gets some damn football players, and now he's beat 100 straight unranked opponents. That's absurd. That'll never happen again in the history of college football, and that streak isn't going to end anytime soon. It might get up into the 120s, 130s, 140s before he retires. Who knows? But um, it, it's, it's just – I was looking today, I think Kobe Hudson – is the only receiver outside of Demetrius Robertson. And everybody, you know, likes to claim Demetrius Robertson is the former five-star. Dude's at his third school for a reason. There's a reason he's like 28 years old and he's not in the NFL because he's not good enough. And, and he's, I think he's an average receiver also. Um, and so Kobe Hudson is – he was the only one on the on the receiving core that was a top-20 receiver. I believe is what it was. Everybody else is, you know, 28, 45, 48 or whatever. So, yes, it's a good point. You you don't have a lot of options over there.
2: Yeah, and to me, and what Lester was talking about, it just – there's a whole lot that could have gone into this scenario. It's not just receivers. And quite frankly, if you have a good quarterback, that game is easy because you can score you don't get down 24 to 12 in the first half you I've heard for since the recruiting class and the transfers uh, I guess it really until it went since binarius night got on campus that Auburn has an elite secondary this guy from southeastern Missouri is going to be the one that makes this secondary lockdown why can't we why all, here's the problem they do this to themselves they could have just sat back and said, "Okay, this is Harson's first year. Yeah, this if we win, lady. we'll be excited. Mm-hmm. If we if we lose, we kind of feel like it's coming, but you know we can gut it out because we think he's going to build a program." No, Bo Nix is filling himself. He's having fun. Dark horse for the highs, and Tank is the best to ever do it. The offensive line is powerful, run blocking. They're getting better. Bo Nix, his athleticism is going to help get give time for the receivers to get open. Secondary is great. Now the linebackers are good. Papo and McLean are phenomenal. Defensive line, they'll find a way to get it. Dude, no, they're not, and it's not Harson's fault. It's not Harson's fault at all. The guy needs time. Is he going to get it done? Eh, we'll see. He's going to have to recruit a lot better. But what they could—they could have they just sat back and let this season happen. If they were got really good, they could have enjoyed it. But they do this to themselves.
0: Yeah, and we—we've talked plenty about. How this could potentially, but with the with the rate that Harson is recruiting at and the players that he's bringing in, this could easily be his most talented roster at Auburn. Um, you know, of course, that's an early synopsis because we don't know what kind of. First of all, we don't know how long this guy's going to be at Auburn. It could be two years and he might be gone. Um, but uh, you know, if he's there five six years, who knows how his recruiting will pick up? But I think it's going to have to um, if he's going to hang around for more than two or three years. But um, Lester. Tuscaloosa, Alabama, 2:30 in the afternoon. Alabama, Old miss. Game day kind of kind of you know snubbed us a little bit. They're going to Georgia, Arkansas over there um, between the hedges. 18 and a half point favorite in that game. So I guess they' they're I guess they're predicting Georgia to be real, but we'll see in that game. But uh, let's, let's break down this Alabama old Miss game. I want you to start number one. Um, let's start defensively, man. What does Alabama have to do? You were texting a little bit about it today, and I want you to emphasize it on here. What does Alabama have to do to slow down this old Miss
1: offense? Uh, what do they have to do? Well, I'm going to read you a quote from Henry, Henry T. The faster we get the call, the faster we can line up and play ball. He said it, not us. No, we've been saying it for years, but he said it. I'm glad he said it because, you know, if, if shit goes south Saturday, what's everybody going to look at the defense? And since he put that quote out there, everybody's going to be going back and analyzing the film like the like the Zapruder film, and they're going to be looking around and it's the call getting it. It's the call getting it. It's the call getting it. It's Pete, you know, is he on this shit today? And I I I, I, I y'all earlier, I said, this is not a game where – you can plan to counter everything that they do. You've got to let your guys read, react, and play ball. There should be 10 calls max that Bama, the defense run Saturday. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but blitz left, blitz right, zone, whatever. As simple as it can be and let those guys read and react. Because, you know, you can't do against Ole Miss – You can't be sitting there with your your hands, looking for Pete Golding to make a play call, and he's jumping up sidelines, giving all kinds of hand signals. And you know what's happening? Then the ball snap, and Matt Corral, that running back, they're doing, they're running all over your ass. It, It can't happen. And I know that's not Saban's thing. You know he's so prepared, he's so ready for everything. Based on this formation, they're going to do A, B. or You can't do that in this game. You just simply can't do that. Keep it simple. You, got the be- you, you have the best athletes in the country. Keep it simple. Re- react and play ball, man. That's my thing. If if Bama loses this game and on every single snap, the defensive line, the linebackers, they got their hand on the ground, they got their hand on the knees, they're ready to go and play ball, if Bama loses a game and that defense is set and ready for every play, I can swallow it a little bit better. But as we've seen in the past against teams like this, what do we see constantly? Guys looking to the sideline, waiting on the call, ball snap, nobody's in place, nobody's ready, nobody knows what's going on. And it's 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 hell. So that's my main thing, get the call in, beat be ready to play when the ball is snapped. That's all I want to see Saturday. If they do that, then I have the utmost confidence in our five stars and the best athletes in the country to hopefully slow down this offense a little bit and give our offense, you know, a chance to go out and win this game. I think you nailed it, dude. Uh, that, that's, that's really
0: good analysis. And, I mean, we all know that hey, here's another thing to add to that. You know, when you're looking over trying to get calls, your, your defensive coordinator has a call sheet and he's looking at, Hey, what do they like to run in second and four to six, uh, you know, the situational type stuff most of the time. And then this is how I want to defend it. Well, I mean, mostly at Alabama, you, you can just throw all that stuff out because just about every team you play has a wrinkle or maybe even an entire playbook sometimes of uh of plays that they haven't shown on film. Uh, I am I'm, I'm fully expect Lane Kiffin to have plays that not only did has he not run this year, but he also didn't run against you last year. Uh and, and so it really wouldn't surprise me at all. So all those scripts you can just throw it out anyway and and like you said, you're going to you just need to line up, you need to play base football, you need to trust your pass rush that they can get to Corral um because you know if you blitz him and he sees a crease, he can take off for 20 25 yards on you. And, uh, you know, you, if, if you can get pressure with four and you can stop the run with five, that's huge because it forces you or it, it allows you to play two high safeties. Because um, if you can't stop the run with five, then you got to bring another backer in the box. So you got to roll a safety down to cover up the uh, number three receiver in trips, most likely. Then you only got one high safety to cover the whole field. That's incredibly tough when you got a quarterback that's as accurate as Matt Corral and you got DBs. On the, on the edges that are on islands that don't like to turn and look for the ball like Josh Job does. Um, and so, you know, if you can stop it with five, meaning if you can win your interior battles, Tim Smith, DJ Dell, Byron Young, uh, Fedarian Mathis, Justin Eboigbe, they, they have to have huge days in order for Alabama to have success in this game. Um, Will Anderson also, Drew Sanders, has to make plays in the run game. You can't rely – on just holding up gaps and letting your linebackers go and make plays because, you know, there's going to be times where you're outnumbered in the box, but if you can win one-on-one matchups, it completely changes everything because not only are you allowed to go two high safeties, you can play a lot more zone. And, uh, you know, if you can get pressure with four and that quarterback's got to dissect what kind of zone you're in and then find his reads. And by that time, Will Anderson's all over your ass and it makes life incredibly difficult. I think that's the only way you got to win your battles because, We know Lane Kiffin is going to try the power run game. He's going to try to come right at you. He's going to run it with the quarterback, not at first, but Matt Corral will pull it, you know, four or five times in this game, uh, and and you got to have an answer for that. I wouldn't be surprised to see the speed option like Florida did. That really hurt Alabama. I wouldn't be surprised to see it. Um, But, you know, J-Law, defensively, is there anything you want to add to what me and Lester are talking about as far as – how Alabama, or what Alabama has to do in order to slow this um, high attain offense that Ole Miss has?
2: Yeah, no, I think this is a yak game. You can't let Ole Miss get yards after catch, and you can't allow, you can't miss tackles and allow yards after contact. That's what killed Alabama last year. Yeah, yeah, they were out of position on a few times. They didn't make any tackles. I mean, I remember, I was ready to kill Daniel Wright after that game. I was ready to kill Dylan Moses after that game. I mean, yeah, a young guy like Chris Harris out of position, but If you're in position, man, you got to make tackles because this offense is set to get you out of position. It's going to happen. When you have a chance to make a tackle, you got to make it to stun a drive. So on the defensive side, just make your tackles. uh, No yards after catch. No yards after contact. And turn around and find the football. It's Southern Miss, Josh, Joe. If you've been in Tuscaloosa for a decade, just turn around and find the football. They are throwing a fade route to get a pass interference. Turn around and find the football, and you'll be fine. So, I mean, that's about it on defense, man. We're going to be frustrated, but get used to being frustrated. You know how frustrated t- really good defensive teams are now when they play Alabama? They're frustrated. It doesn't matter how good your defense is. If, you, if they, they have a scheme that's going to score some points, you're going to pull your hair out these days. This has to be another one of those games where your offense plays really well. If you punt three times in this one, you might lose. So, Or if you have four drives that don't end in points, you might lose going to have to be an elite offensive game.
0: Yeah, and let's talk about the offense. Now, I'll stay with you, J-Law. You know, uh, Bryce Young versus Matt Corral, um, the top two Heisman Trophy candidates as of now. Uh, Corral has a slight lead over Bryce in the Heisman poll, I guess you could say, or the odds to win the Heisman Trophy over in Vegas. Um, and, and I think this game, I think that the team that wins, uh, number one, I, I don't see either team getting beat if they win this game. And uh, Jayla, I think you mentioned that earlier this week. I think that, you know, if Alabama wins, you've got Texas A&M on the road, who's brutal on the offensive side of the football. Uh, you've got Arkansas. We'll see how they play against Georgia Saturday. I think that'll tell you a lot. I think that'll tell you if uh, Texas and Texas A&M maybe aren't as good as we thought, or if Arkansas is a lot better than we thought, you know, if they play them close over on the road, think even if they get within 10 points I think that you got to respect Arkansas that much more because Georgia's been beating people to sleep um and so uh you know but same thing for Ole Miss if they if they get past Alabama you know it looks like the you know the the path is pretty clear for them to get to the SEC championship game because you had to lose twice um because you'd have to head to head over Alabama say if Ole Miss wins so you'd have to lose basically twice um and you're still, you're, you know, in order to not go to Atlanta. So, uh, you know, J-Law, Bryce Young, Matt Corral, um, who performs better in this game? Let me put you on the spot here. Who performs better in this game and why?
2: Depends on what you think is better. I think Matt Corral is just going to have a lot more opportunities to make bigger plays. And his system is going to allow him to throw to three stars that are going to be wide open in this week. Um, from a game management standpoint, I think Bryce Young is going to play better. Um, people are just pointing out, you know, Lane Kippen's got this game. He's ready for it. It's him against Nick Saban. Dude, you don't think this defense has been thinking about this one horrible game that they had last year? You don't think this defense is thinking about Matt Corral and Jerrion Ely rushing for 250 yards like they did last year? I think our defense can step it up a little bit in this one. Um, but Matt Corral is going to have better numbers. He's going to throw for more yards. He's going to rush for more yards. He might have more touchdowns through the air, might have more touchdowns overall than Bryce Young. Um, but to me, offensively, this game for Alabama, it's not a grinded game. You're going to have to score, and you're going to have to score quick sometimes if it's, if it's there. This isn't going to be a, a, a nine-play, four-and-a-half, five-and-a-half-minute drive where you get inside the red zone and kick a field goal. Man, you kick a field goal in this game, that could be the breaking point, and it was the breaking point for Kiffin last year because he knew he couldn't kick a field goal. He had to go for it on fourth and eight, he didn't get it. Alabama goes down the field, and they're up two scores in the second half. You're going to have to punch in touchdowns. If Alabama can find a way to run the ball, keep Ole Miss's offense on the sidelines, people say that a lot. To me, it doesn't mean anything if you can't get a stop. Yeah, keeping the offense on the sideline is great, but what does that have to do with anything if you go nine plays, 70 yards and a touchdown, and they go three plays 70 yards and a touchdown. Both teams have seven points. So, to me, man, you just got to – you got to find a way to not make mistakes. Two turnovers can easily lose this game. Um, and I think Alabama can grind it out a little bit on the offensive line. I do think that our defense uh, is just going to be able to get more stops.
0: I, I think it's <laughs> – this is very important to all, everybody listen to this. This is what's going to happen in this game. Look, I'm going to tell you um, – Ole Miss has kind of adopted this Barry Odom drop eight, bring three type defense. Hey, we're going to let you run for five or six yards. Um, We're going to play with five in the box, four in the box max, and um, we're not going to allow you to throw the ball 15 plus yards in the air. We're just going to completely blanket everything past the six. And uh, I think that's very – frustrating for a big play offense which you know last week we got a little taste of it we got a little taste of what the big play feels like to billingsley caught some caught some passes um 20 plus yards downfield uh, J- jameson williams of course had the big touchdown reception um and so i think that uh i think that old miss is going to force alabama to because they're not worried about their defense or alabama's defense getting tired Um, I think they're going to force Alabama to grind it out and drive it. And and Lester, my question to you is, we all know about Bryce's poise, right? But with this defensive approach, which I fully expect Ole Miss to run, this drop eight, bring three type defense and make you, you know, take three plays to get 10 yards, you know, maybe get four or five yards of play and just kind of work the ball down the field and hope that this quarterback um gets too aggressive one time and then you jump around or you heat those into double coverage downfield and you get a tip ball or whatever um do you trust Bryce enough to take what the defense gives him because if you remember the Arkansas game last year Arkansas ran this to perfection granted me I mean Alabama beat him 52 to I think I think the nothing maybe 52 to three I can't remember but um Devonta Smith was completely shut down in that game he ended up returning a punt in that game for a touchdown which is big for his Heisman numbers um, but he did not have a great game uh, as far as catching the ball. And so – and that's because Arkansas just completely took away the big play. And I look for Ole Miss to do this. Lester, do you trust Bryce Young and his poise enough this early in his career um, to, to just kind of nickel and dime the defense down the field and not get too aggressive?
1: Uh, yeah, I do. Um, based on his demeanor, how cool, calm, and collected he is um, – Don't I don't think that he's a guy that's gonna take unnecessary risk. You know what I mean? I feel like he's you know, him and BOB and are very much on the same page. He's he's not gonna be a risk taker. Let's say that maybe Mac has been, or you know, some of the guys in the past, like Tua. He's he's I, I don't he's just not gonna do that. His demeanor, being cool, come and collect it, you know, and the passing game this far this season hasn't really been high flying. It's always been kind of short, intermediate stuff, and I don't see them, you know, deviating from that for no reason. Um, so I, I trust Bryce to play within himself, within the system, not doing anything special, and not lose us the ball game. I'm not. I'm not sure. Jayla, what do you think about that?
0: Do you, do you trust Bryce enough? I guess I haven't seen it, so you really don't know. You know, you have plenty of faith in Matt Jones. Last year, he was a fourth year guy. Um, He's basically a veteran. I know it's it only his first year, first year starting, but that was also one of the last games of the season. Do you trust Bryce to to not get aggressive? Maybe if they show him a hole right there, and then he tries to throw it, and they cover it up real quick and force a turnover because that's what they want. They're just gonna try to bait you. You know, it's like when somebody. When Vegas sets a line at minus seven, you know, they're daring you to take the underdog, you know, they're daring you to go one way or the other. Because you know, if you take the, if you take the points, then uh then they gotta win by less than a touchdown. If you, if you, if you take the cover, then they gotta win the by more than a touchdown. So it's kind of it's kind of like that. The secondary is just gonna be sitting there. And they're just going to be saying, look, boy, look, I know I know you want to throw it. Deep. Go ahead and throw it. Go ahead and throw it and see what happens. I I, I I, dare you. I dare you to let it go. Do you trust Bryce to throw the underneath stuff and to use his checkdowns? downs?
2: I trust Bryce because I think Phil O'Brien's going to come in with a good plan. As we've already seen, this is a guy that wants to run the football. And this is a team that turns their back to the defense quite a bit. They like to the play action. Can they get some guys to bite up? And if they're only showing you a five man front and you, Potentially have a tight end down low with Latu with his hand in the dirt. Bill O'Brien, he's going to run the ball, and he might run it into three yards in the cloud of dust. But I think Bill O'Brien's a seasoned enough veteran. I mean, we all know his track record. We've been a little frustrated some, and I think maybe we jumped to conclusions because the offensive line's all brand new, and um, Doug Brawn's had his hands full with swapping some guys in and out up front. But I, I think you can, if you start running the ball, they're going to have to creep up. This is going to be a game for Alabama where the play action pass looks good. Bryce has got to be smart enough to take his check downs. And this is a game that I think Bill O'Brien has to manage as well. What's Bryce seeing? What's Bryce coming back to the sideline and talking about? And can they work that out? And can they keep Bryce patient? Good quarterbacks, man, they're all they're all game managers. The best quarterbacks are still game managers. Can Bryce just – for Alabama for a decade is – Can I, if Alabama doesn't make a mistake, they probably win a natty or they don't get injured. If Bryce Young and this Alabama team can't don't make mistakes, they're going to win the
0: game. Yeah, I just think it can be frustrating sometimes, especially for a young guy to see. Um, say, like you were talking about, Ole Miss goes four plays, 75 yards, touchdown. You know, it's all pretty. It's finesse. You know, they're, they're getting chomp plays. They've got guys running wide open downfield, and they just gashing us. Um, you know, it can get kind of frustrating whenever you're having to move the ball five or six yards at a time, and I think that's exactly why Ole Miss is going to go to this scheme. And, uh, and, you know, whether it works for them or not, that's up, that's up to Bryce. He, he's got to make sure – that, uh, that he doesn't try to get too greedy, because if he does, like you said, one turnover could do you in in this type of game. But, uh, Lester, it's prediction time, man. Uh, this is one that we've been nervous about. I think this is one that you called at the beginning of the season. We did our predictions for if Alabama was going to lose the game, who is it going to be to? Um, I believe I said Texas A&M on the road, but you said Ole Miss. So, you, you've been worried about this game from the start. Give me Tell me how it's going to play out and give
1: me a score prediction. I just wonder how Alabama's game plan is going to go in this one. Are they going to try to slow it down, try to run a ball, control the clock, or are they going to go wide open and, you know, score with Kiffin? Because you know that's how the game's going to go. I'm going to call this as a – man. Go ahead. 48-41. Who? Well – it's not gonna be that much. I'll I'll say Oh, it's gonna be that say, much. <laughs> it's gonna be that yeah, much. Yeah. Okay. I all right. Well, okay. All right. 48 41. We'll we'll go there. We'll go there. 48 41. I, I think what's the over under? Do we know it? I, By 90. Yeah. I, 79 yeah. and a half. Is it really? Oh, so I'm so I'm right on it then. Uh it's going out. and a half. Okay. 48 41. So it's what 80 89 that's what, but okay, yeah, we'll do 41 on this. Nah, Ugh. Bama, Bama. hey, you remember bro. that little, remember,
0: dude. I'm not gonna be biased on the show. I'm gonna call it like I see it. What'd you say, Lester? I, I, I,
1: I'm, I, I'll, I'll say Bama, but man, remember that little RPO that Kiffin ran? I told you, I told y'all game one, it was like that little RPO up the middle. Yeah, corral followed that, followed the linebacker, followed the running back in the hole, just enough for that linebacker crept up. He dumped it over the top. That worries the hell out of me because I know we're going to see it Saturday. I they mean, haven't ran that. They haven't ran that play since then. It's coming out Saturday. I mean, that's what.
0: Uh, that's how they scored on us on the first drive last year. You know, they did the little jump pass down there. And if you don't think yes. that Jeff Levy's got seven or eight of those up his sleeve, and, and that's the thing, yep. you're going to see something on Saturday that you haven't seen from this Ole Miss team, not just in 2021, but in 2020 also. Um, you know, I, I Brian denny Stadium should help. Uh, I don't think it's going to be anything like the swamp, the atmosphere down there uh, because, you know, most of our fans are old boosters, old-time pride people that sit on the hands the whole game. Um, so, defense, man, like, you know, my big thing, you got to show me. You got to show me. Playing good against Southern Miss, Mercer, and Miami doesn't do it for me. And to me, this defense is 0-1 when playing against a good offense. As far as, you know, you know, I mean, they got beaten total yards, so the defense was 0-1. I know that we had more points on the scoreboard, so the team was 1-0. and 0, But, man, there's nothing about the Florida game that gives me any hope. And the defense didn't do enough for me on Saturday – uh, because Ole Miss's offense just wasn't good. I mean, they they were ass. And so you expect that. And giving up 14, honestly, is too much. I don't give a damn if you got backups in or not. Georgia's in there running their backups, and they're still getting shut out. So they've given up, like, one offensive touchdown in four games, dude. And so there's no excuse. And I haven't seen enough from the defense to convince me that we have any chance to slow an Ole Miss down. The only thing that's optimistic in my mind is, is the fact, of course, you know, playing at home. But – the fact that, you know, Louisville, not the best team. Tulane got their ass kicked by UAB and then Austin P. Uh, those are old misses, op- three opponents. Um, but at the same time, not all, they haven't had two weeks to prepare for Alabama, dude. If you didn't think that after the Louisville game, that, that Monday night after the game, that they started watching Alabama film, then you're out of your mind. If you think they prepared at all for Austin P. or Tulane, then you're out of your box. And so I think you're going to see a month's worth of preparation, not just two weeks from this old Miss team. I think they drop eight. They do a good job of keeping Alabama in front of them and not allowing the big play. Um, I hope to God that Bill O'Brien's run scheme is not the way it was at Florida. I really hope that he opens up the, you know, the whole run, the whole offensive line or the box and then some. And, you know, I hope the stretch plays are there. I hope there's a toss or – you know, a long trap or whatever you want to call it. I hope the the bats can get on the edge and use their speed and their vision and their burst. Um, But I just – I haven't seen enough from the defense, man. I really haven't. And uh, so I'm going to call – I'm going to call 45 – call 45-41 Ole Miss. I'm going to call it. And then, you know, but, hey, of course, I'll be the first one the defense wants to ball up and they want to stop these guys. Because, you know, this game last year was a wake-up call for the defense. And, uh, and hope if, – if that was the way it was from this Florida game this year, then that's great. But I have to see it first. Does that make sense? J-Law, you mad at me? You going to get me off the show now?
2: All right, it's your show.
0: It's your show. It's our show.
2: All right, man. I, I'm not ready to pick Ole Miss. Um, Alvin played by far its worst game at Ole Miss last year. Weird conditions. Lane Kiffin's ready to win that game. This one's in Bryant-Denny. Alabama's seen this Jeff Levy offense, Lane Kiffin offense from last year. It's almost the exact same team coming back. There's not, a, there's not a comparison when you talk about athlete for athlete outside of Matt Corral, who is a dog. Let's make no mistake about it. He's a dog. Um, so when you look at this, man, everybody's worried about Bama getting stops. Yeah, where's Ole Miss getting stops? I mean, is it the turnover? Because if we're just worried about a guy – if we're worried about turnovers because – and Bryce Young's thrown one interception. I mean, dude, he is throwing the ball all over the field this year. He probably should have thrown more. I'm sure Matt Corral probably should have thrown a couple as well. Sometimes you get drops. But, man, I'm going to take Alabama in this one. As always, 52-42, 10-point win. Still hanging on to our hats at the end of the game. I like Alabama 52-42 right at 90 total points scored.
0: A 50-burger. And Brian Denny for the tie. That's- hope you're right, man. I hope I'm wrong on this one, boys. And uh, of course, you know I'll throw some money on Ole Miss to try to try to bring in some luck. I'll throw some money on Auburn as well down in Baton Rouge because I'm or Auburn's zero one. Whenever I do that, so I'm going to continue that trend. Uh, Lester, <laughs> tell, tell me real quick this this Auburn game down in Death Valley. Tell, give me a final score for that game, and tell me tell me who you think is going to
1: start at quarterback and how it's going to pan out. Both going to start at quarterback. Um, TJ Finley is going to come in and probably finish the game. Uh-oh. I think we'll see it. I think it was the second week of that. Um, I, I, I don't see Bo Nicks becoming more accurate, more of a game manager overnight. I do not see that happen or over the course of the week. And you know what? Another thing, why do you have to be benched for it to be a wake up call? Everybody says this is a Bo Nix wake up call, yada, yada, yada. Why do you have to be benched for that to happen? Can't you look at your own stats and tell you suck? Can't you watch the film and see the year wide receivers yes, have not had a ball on target? Dude. No, I'm being honest. But, okay, I'll get back on top Well, no, he's heard but it. I, dude,
0: you heard that interview yesterday. He thinks he's good.
1: He does. He's, he's, a, and he's, that's a, my point. he's cocky and arrogant. That's that's so
0: – I mean, you don't – you know, you need a wake-up call or whatever. I guess you have to get benched because, you know, he's obviously cutting on the film be like, oh, yeah. I mean, he said he was playing pretty good, he thought, in the Georgia State game. He was 13 out of 27, and he claims in his interview –
1: that he thought he was playing good. That's his problem. That's crazy. Uh, and yeah, that's – look, I, on the road in Death Valley, you know, the first legit game there in two years, I guess, just because of all this corona mess. But I, I think that uh, – I think LSU is going to win. I think it's going to be a real ugly game, though. I'm going to say, like, 21-13 or – 2013 something like that I, I just don't see Auburn being that good on offense and you know maybe a couple plays maybe a couple turnovers for Auburn and maybe LSU can uh take advantage of that but I'm going to say kind of a score and I'll say I'll say 23 23 16 LSU
0: 23 16 LSU j law give me your prediction I'm finna look at some stats real quick
2: well, LSU, they'll have Stingley back in the lineup, I believe, this week. Max Johnson looks okay. Um, my thing is, where's Auburn going with the football? Now, and make no mistake about it, this LSU defense has been bad for two years. Um, and But they hung in there at Mississippi State last week. Mississippi State would have a pretty solid record right now if they didn't get screwed versus Memphis, and I know it's Memphis. But LSU wins, and it it, it and make Davis Wade Stadium is a tough place to play. I mean, it seems like Alabama every time they go there. It's it's kind of a dog fight. Um, I'm just trying to find where where Auburn's points going to come from. Last year in this game at home, they scored a ton of points. They had better receivers. They had probably had a better offensive line. Um, and if TJ Finley's running out there, this LSU team's going to come out with some pride. I think it's really really close. This game is in Auburn. I'd probably pick. Auburn by touchdown. I'm going to pick Auburn in LSU. Give me – man, I'm going to take this one 23-20 Auburn. I still don't think LSU is that good. No. I think Auburn, top to bottom, doesn't have a better roster. But Brian Harson to me, is probably a better coach than Ed o.
0: I do think that uh, – one thing that I do like about the Bengal Tigers is that Max Johnson is throwing the ball a lot better – he goes to Starkville last week. And I know it's not a big stadium, but, you know, they got something called the cowbell. When you get 55,000 of those ringing in your face, you know, your, your, your whole head basically becomes numb. That's um, what some players have said whenever they played there. And, uh, you know, he throws for 280 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. I thought he, play, I thought he, he played well. He didn't finish the game well. Um, and, and thing is, Auburn's weakness is what? It's their defensive line, especially particularly a pass rush, and it's their secondary. And I think that's the you know their linebackers are are, are great, like Jay Law said earlier, but their D line, the secondary, struggling. And you get guys like Kayshawn Boyette and Brian Thomas Jr. and these these elite receivers that LSU has, and uh, you get Max Johnson time to pick you apart, man. You're going to be in trouble. And then you know if you if you try to blitz somebody with the linebackers and you leave guys a man-to-man coverage, you're, you're just as screwed because, like we just talked about, you know, Auburn's secondary hadn't been great. So, uh, Auburn's got a quarterback controversy. They might have some some locker room issues that they're firing a, a coach for a reason that a lot of people can't figure out and might not ever know. Um, I think it's a close game. I'm going to call 24-21 Bengal Tigers. That's what I'm going to call. Same score as J-Laws, just the other Tigers are going to win so uh boys um it's been real it's been fun lester you got anything else to say before we get out of here
1: yeah um everybody uh call your doctor and get the xanax or the Valium or uh i need our 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 pharmacy friend chris on here what's another one uh addy van go ahead and get all that good stuff so you can take it saturday pop that thing about 1.45, 145, 2 o'clock. <laughs> Before Kiffin can score 14 on this defense, Ugh. you won't even care. You won't even care.
0: <laughs> Seems like so, you just drink a drink a case of <laughs> rolling rock.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Rolling yeah. rock, high life, or get your get your whiskey going. Do what you do do what you want to do.
0: Oh, dude, I forgot that I drank Rolling Rock during last year's football season and we won the natty. So I need to go get some of that. That's good stuff. Yeah. That's good stuff. Uh all right. JLo, what's going on, man? What, what, what's your final thoughts on episode 44 here? Roll tide. Roll tide, guys. We hope to see you guys in Tuscaloosa. Come out and support. If you're there, let us know. Um, I'll be going up Friday night, uh, or I guess Friday afternoon. I'm not sure whenever Paige wants to go up there. But um, until next week, hopefully, you know, it's a happy podcast next week and not, not, not another rant session but uh until then
1: episode 44 chase Thornton Jeremy Law Lester Mitchell right of here see y'all